Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. Before we start this episode, we're going to again take a little time to thank a little bit of the people who helped make this show possible. First up is 2.0 Gear. Uh, it's a new brand that we just started partnering with. Uh, they make awesome uh, high-end technical uh, hunting clothes, camo. Um, and so they're based in Michigan yep. and a uh, new company. We've tested them for months. They tested them uh, in the whitetail season last year. Great merino base layers. Yep, great awesome merino shells. base. Yep. Awesome a, new pattern. A great system for going out west, but we'll use it a ton in the, in the whitetail woods too. So really excited to work with them. 2ogear.com, go check them out. Next up is Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Uh, it's, it's an awesome, uh, basically, connection to outfitters all over the world. So as a lot of people know, good hunting ground is really hard to come by. And um, oftentimes, the best way to ensure that you're going to get in a good spot or maybe you need to legally have a guide is to, to go through an outfitter. Mm -hmm. um, and so, as you might know, if you've heard us before, we've had good experiences and bad experiences with outfitters. Uh, which means, you know, in order to ensure you're going to have a good experience, you have to do a ton of research, you have to talk to people, it's just a lot of messing around. Worldwide Trophy Adventures, or WTA, does a lot of this work for you at no charge. So by booking your trip through WTA, you can rest assured that you'll be in a good location with a reputable outfitter um, that they've certified and endorsed. If you're looking to book a trip of a lifetime like I am, mm -hmm. uh, just headed to a moose hunt here, through WTA, you're going to want to check them out. Uh, go give them a call. Actually, I have the number right here. It's 1-800-346-8747 or check out their website at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com. All right, so we love Trophy Line. They offer more than just saddles. Believe it or not, they have their own climbing sticks. They've got platforms. They've got a ton of extra packs. Gear. They've got packs. They've got everything. Knee pads. Everything that you're going to need to be a saddle hunter, they have it. So if you want to start saddle hunting this year and get into the game like everyone else and really love hunting even more, go to Trophy Line, check it out, use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on that purchase. We're big bow hunters. Uh, sights, quivers, stabilizers, those kind of things are really important if you're going to have a deadly setup. Um, and so we've tried a lot of different companies in the industry and we've kind of figured out that we really like Redline gear the best. So um, we are shooting their torch sights this yeah, year. It's a, it's a really cool, one. really cool sight. Very, there's a lot of good micro adjustments you can make. You mm -hmm. can customize a lot of the stuff on there, really make it your own. The chargeable USB rechargeable yeah, light is really sweet. Cool. Um, and so we're huge fans of their stuff. We use them all the time. It's worth going to check them out. Uh, check out Redline. Use the promo code TFC10 for 10% off your purchase. And uh, let us know what you think. We love them. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase podcast. Uh, I've got Jake Belinda uh, here with me today. Jake and us, our, our whole group, we've known each other for quite a while, actually, um, dating back to when you were uh, working with the Untamed guys for yeah. for a while there. Um, so we're going to set up some time. We had set up some time today to talk uh, trail cameras. But before we do, I do have to read uh, some kind of cool uh, announcement that we've got with, with Christensen Arms. So if you're gearing up for hunting season, you're going to want to listen up closely to, to what we've got here. Uh, Christensen's got an offer uh, that basically can get you, um, in addition to a rifle, up to $750 a gear. So amazing promotion. It's brought to you by Christensen Arms. If you don't know them, they created the first carbon fiber barrel back in 1995. So I was seven years old when that happened. If I if I got, did my math right, and they've been making these world class rifles ever since, I've got my 300 ready to go for moose in uh, under a week. So 
So now through October 31, when you buy an eligible Christensen rifle, you can send their team a simple form with your original receipt. Once they verify it, they'll send you an electronic gift card for up to $750 to their store, which has things like um, accessories for the Christensen arm stuff uh, and other brands like Leupold, Mystery Ranch, Half Face Blades, and even uh, Uncharted Supply Company, which we've had Christian, their owner on our uh, podcast, a bunch and, and a bunch of other uh, companies as well. So if you're interested, go to ChristiansenArms.com, learn more and take advantage of this incredible offer. All right, Jake. Now that we got our uh, the house cleaning, keeping stuff out of the way, um, yeah, excited to have you on. We were we were messaging back and forth about doing a podcast together, talking about trail cameras. It's something that we've kind of talked about over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, and you do a bunch of it, so I figured to have you on. And before we even get into that, you were just telling me prior to to the the podcast uh, that you just shot. I mean, you started the year off with an August buck in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, uh, on the way home, um, from that, it was a three day hunt, uh, kind of a spur of the moment trip, but, uh, I capitalized on the last evening. Um, it can be tough if you don't have, you know, that, that hunt, if you don't have, uh, you know, good weather, I mean, August right. can be, I mean, it was brutally hot the first two days. So deer weren't moving until literally the last light. Um, and then last night it cooled off because it rained uh, half a day and then stopped right around 3 o'clock. So I knew deer were going to be moving, and they were actually moving a little bit earlier. So I, I, yeah. I capitalized on that. It's huge, yeah. That, the little bits of cold front, whenever you can find them, um, super, super helpful for, for uh, getting on a box. So, I mean, I'm excited for you to, I don't know, to show what you did. I know it's that you've teased it online. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I took care of it last night. Um, He's no giant, but you know I'm I'm tickled with him with being velvet buck. I mean, you don't get very many chances to shoot a velvet deer, especially being a northern guy like me um, and yourself. I mean, we don't our season we're not even yeah. not even close. So yeah, I know I've it's always been like a dream, but you know, yeah, just like not a common thing. So excited to see it! Congratulations! Yeah, on I that. appreciate it. Um, so he's in the so, he's in the truck and. I didn't get done until like 2 a.m. last night, skinning them up. <laughs> that makes sense. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah. Well, let's let's jump into to trail cameras. So like you said, you're, you're a northern guy. You're in PA. Yep. We're in Michigan. You know, we've got hunting seasons that start around the same time. Um, and uh, one thing that, you know, we spend a lot of time with, and I know you do too, is trail cameras, right? Like yes. setting them up, figuring, using them basically to, to zero in on a deer. So um, let's just dive into it. So how do you use trail cameras? I mean, this, this podcast will go out kind of the beginning of September. So what are you doing beginning of September with trail cameras to kind of capitalize and, and kind of maximize your success? Um, a big thing for me, uh, I, I use trail cameras in like multiple different ways. I have kind of a, the large lump sum that I use for, uh, just like inventory, possibly deer I want to, uh, find, but, I, I I have a hundred trail cameras, basically. A hundred out? I had yeah. Well, right now I have sixty out, but I have another forty that I'm going to put out in the next couple of days. Um, but, how do you even manage that many? Uh very very carefully. I've I've left a few in the woods. That's actually what I'm going to do now. Pick some up that I left since last July. Um, okay. But dang that 
I mean, there's multiple ways, but for September, you know, coming into season, a big thing I like to do is I go in the woods from July, late July through August, and I actually use my binos. Um, and I, I, and that time of year to actually scout for acorn production. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I'll go for morning runs or take the bike for a ride and I'm, I'm looking for acorn producing trees because in the North we don't, we always get sometimes a late frost, which kills our, uh, you know, acorn production. But for September, I got my cameras basically already in the areas that I seen acorns, um, when I was in there in either July or August. So I put them in there basically a month ahead of time and they might not have any activity, uh, for a while, but as soon as September hits and those white oaks start dropping, um, I want that like now inventory, um, just in case, you know, something that I'm in that area pops up and I can get in there, um, with fresh data. All right. We're going to take a pause here real quick and just thank a few more guys and companies that help make this show possible. First up is Vortex. We can't say it enough. We love their glass. We love their binoculars, spotting scopes, range finders, their apparel. James James is rocking a nice little hoodie here. They make awesome stuff. And if you guys are looking to make a purchase at Vortex, go over to their website and use the code TFC20 to save yourself 20% on the next purchase. That's a big, good discount. Use it. Head over there and get something. A bow makes a man. Does and, it? Yeah, that's what I was told. And we're we're big fans of uh, prime bows. Shooting it for years, Michigan-based company. Uh, we're shooting their latest Revix series of bows. Mine's that thirty-six long boy. I'll generally year. take a few shots right back here and just. Yeah, yeah we, we're huge fans. Smooth, uh, great balance. Um, they're they're just go check them out. There's tons of technology. One of my favorite things that they have is their grip. Uh, space age space technology age. keeps your hand warm even when it's cold. Um, highly recommend go check out Prime Archery. Finally, Lathrop and Sons boots. Your feet kill animals. Like the more you walk, the more chances you have at, at getting that big buck, that big elk, moose, whatever it is. Uh, Lathrop and Sons have been kind of our go-to boot of choice for a while now. Um, we've put in a lot of miles, taken them all over the place. There's no leaking. It's comfortable. Stephen and James there, like, spent – they're, like, foot like, they're scientists. Ge- they're geniuses. I got messed up feet, and they basically will – you know, you take an imprint of your foot. They'll look at it, look at your arch, how wide it is, how narrow, how long, and they literally build the boot around your foot. So you're not going to a box store and picking up something that you hope is going to fit your boot. These things actually – are tailor-made to your foot. So they're super comfortable. Mine, I could I could walk all day in them. So if, if, if you're looking to and get a have. boot. If, I have. If you're looking for a boot that's made for you and not somebody else, go check out Lake Thurman Sons. Yeah, the, the acorns are huge. I mean, like, uh, it's funny because you'll put a trail camera out all summer and you'll get certain deer doing certain things uh, going past it. But once September hits or mid-September or what, depending yep. on where you live, all of a sudden everything like movement is totally different. Or maybe where a camera was kind of cold, heats up real fast. Oh, yeah. um, and so we'll do the same thing. It's like I've got cameras out right now that will pick up the occasional like couple does. But I know in the next maybe two weeks, all of a sudden all the, the bachelor groups will start rolling through. They'll go hard horned. You know, last year I even got... Um, I had my camera set on like burst mode or whatever. Yep. And I got like a bunch of pictures of a buck rubbing, like literally right in, right in front of the camera. It's like, I know that's going to happen every yep. year. So 
Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I do that too on, on, uh, a couple spots. I have like this historical little area, um, that bucks go and rub. Like I always find rubs like begun by October 1st on this small yeah. little flat. That's a bunch of saplings. So I actually put a camera there this year just to see what comes through. It's kind of like a, a, a signpost. Um, it's on the edge of a, this clear cut and the big hardwoods. So it's, I think it's something that a lot of deer transition through that kind of just like looking who's around, um, you know, sizing each other up. Cause I mean, they got new headgear for the year. They, they got to yeah. go through that pecking order early in the season. I saw, I was, uh, my thing lately has been, I hop on an e-bike with some binoculars and I like cruise around in just glass fields, yep. uh, which works really well. Cause you're real quiet and like, now I've had it where I almost hit a flock of turkeys coming around a corner. They couldn't hear me. And I, to, uh, just under a month ago, I almost hit two coyotes. Oh, wow. I come around like this dirt road and like they're right in front of me and I'm on a bike and they had, it looked like I caught them doing something they shouldn't have been doing. You know, they're like, you know, oh, yeah. take off. Um, but I love the bike. But what I, what I saw last week were bucks in velvet sparring which is hilarious and it had to be painful a little bit for them oh yeah because they're like i mean they start kicking a little bit and all of a sudden they're kind of just tink you know tickling tickling the antlers yeah bit, they're just really good to they're see test, they're testing out um basically there i have there's bucks that sh just shed this week um i seen a couple people post about and a yeah. friend of mine actually seen a, a rub already so it's i think that the, it's a little bit earlier this year and they're just kind of Met, you know finding out what's going on with their headgear um if it's kind of like ripe so to speak getting loose and yeah. getting ready to fall off are you uh cell cam man are you going to pull cards every time what's your what's your thing i am probably 50 50 if not 60 40 on, more heavily on the traditional side um specifically being because i put a lot of cameras out um in areas that don't even have cell coverage. That's something that, right. it, you know, a lot of the big woods in Pennsylvania, um, the hill countries in Ohio, even down through Kentucky. I mean, you're not yet. And even where you came with untamed in West Virginia, you don't, you don't have cell coverage. They, no. I mean, so it's kind of pointless to even have them. Um, it, it is what it is. I mean, you got to use what you got and, uh, but I, I, I like the yeah. traditionals. I, I, I have had some success um, with some cheaper models. Um, and then it, it cuts the cost. I mean, those plans for cell cams aren't really cheap. They're not. You know, like there's the spy points like free for 100 photos. And then one's like, oh, you get 600 for $15 yeah. or whatever. And it's like, man, every year I'm. You know, it's a couple hundred bucks just for having like six trails. Well, that's and that's just it hands. with that hundred photos. Like I, I've I've utilized that with some wild games before um, last year. Yeah, and it was like free two hundred and fifty photos. But the problem was, I, I you get a couple wind pictures at night, like in a storm, and it just and yeah. th there goes your two fifty, and it's like uh, mm -hmm. that's happened to me multiple yeah. times. You put it on a scrape and the. Storm comes through and the licking branches is flying all over the place and now now you're um, now you got to buy the next next upgrade. Yeah, so. it happens, dude. That happens literally every year. I'm like, oh no, this is the year. It's 
Now, 100 is going to be fine for this spot. And it's like, or like, uh, you know, a squirrel goes in front of it or something like, and it's like, you can't even see the squirrel. Yep. Uh, and it, all of a sudden there goes 25 pictures of it just rooting around below yep. it. Um, so you're, uh, so when you throw, uh, turn yours on, you got, you got, I'm sure you got the, uh, like the highest speed you got, you do burst of pictures or do you do videos or how do you, how do you set yours? Um, for scrapes, I try to do video, um, to be honest with you, because I like to, yeah. I like to learn especially for scrapes and big mature deer. Um, I like to learn what they're doing coming into a scrape. Most deer don't walk down a path, hit a scrape and continue down that exact same path. Some deer yeah. circle downwind, come into scrapes differently. Um, and that's kind of, especially on primary. And I, I generally only set cameras early on primary scrapes that are used all year long that have a pretty significant divot. Um, it's got a big licking branch right things that are hit year it's that perennial scrape that's hit year in and year out i like it on video so i can see what's going on um is it windy like there's there's multiple things you can learn off a video that you can on a photo yeah no i i totally agree and plus it's just cooler yeah it's cooler cooler to watch it you get like cool stuff that shows up um not even always deer it's like you'll see I don't know, cool stuff, a coyote, you know, carrying something yep. past or whatever, which is I, fun. Bears, Bobcats, I've gotten some cool videos of bobcats. Like one was carrying a squirrel. <laughs> like it, you know, that yeah. stuff you don't see very often. Um, or on a photo, you might have just got it quickly, like a blurry picture, and you, you knew it was a bobcat, but you didn't know what was going on. Right, yeah, you kind of miss that, that like, little, that, those details yeah. that make it kind of exciting. Um, um, so I'm guessing you've got... Oh, so you got, you know, what'd you say? 60 cameras out yes. right now. Uh, what's your, uh, what's your steal rate? Like how, how many of those get stolen? Oh, a year? I'm probably, I average eight to 10 a year, um, that gets stolen or broken. Um, I've had people, I've had people okay. shoot them before. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's happened. Um, I've had people turn them upside down uh you know all the whole nine bears there's a lot of bears around that you like hunting bears but yeah i despise i despise bears um because <laughs> they do jack oh, up a yeah, camera. real bad um but i get i what i have done to alleviate that this past year um a friend of mine and i came up with a, a little homemade mecha- locking mechanism because the python cables with the amount i run that would be way too expensive, too way too quick. And exactly. Frankly, I did it for fifteen cameras before, and I lost the keys, and then basically had to cut cut them all yeah. off. You got to get the wire yeah. cutters. So yeah. it, uh, I'm not doing that again. So I I made a system. Um, I'm meaning to put a video up here very shortly, actually, because I get a lot of questions about it. It's it only char- cost me about two dollars and twenty five cents to two fifty per lock um, to lock a camera on a tree, and that had definitely is it's not bulletproof where people can still steal it if they really want it um but it's gonna make you work extremely hard to uh to take that camera oh yeah i'll watch that for sure i've been i never lock them yeah it's i just don't i don't have a lot out like i have six out seven out um i I hide them i you know to alleviate that i hide them a little bit better i put them on the ground or higher in a tree or or, or hide them with some brush. I mean, there's some things you can do to really alleviate that, especially the public ground guys. Um, what, 
when I oh, yeah. when I get most of them stolen is that later November period when bear season comes in and gangs of guys and camps are driving deer and then deer season comes and there's just a whole fluctuate of different people in the woods. That's so, I mean, I, I lose about a thousand dollars in trail cameras a year, so it's unfortunate, but, um, it is what it is. No, no, I can see that for sure. Um, yeah. So you go low, you put them low. I, I just started doing that. Like put them lower on yeah, the ground. Actually. Yeah. Um, how is that? It does great. You? If you like, especially if you find some, some topography, uh, those, those big trails that are, let's say around a, a big rock face and you're like, yeah. you can't put it high to angle down. I actually put it on the ground almost level, um, with the deer. No, you're good. So, um, okay. where you cut out was, um, you, you're the trail cameras, like your buddy of yours. And then I, I missed. Yes. It. Okay. Um, so a buddy of mine actually, uh, taught me how to do it a little bit. Johnny Stewart. Um, you've probably yeah. seen him on Instagram. He posts pictures of bucks on trail cameras all the time. Um, he's the one that got me into putting them on the ground and, and hide them a little bit different. Um, because they're specific trails that you're looking for bucks on specifically, especially, you know, come yeah. October, um, you're, you're below doe bedding groups or whatever. And, and just, I found a lot of these bigger deer that I'm chasing, um, are in the little bit more rugged terrain. It's not easy living, you know, that easy living place was where everybody goes or where that's where the right. deer, the doe groups go to live and they want to be big bucks like to be kind of off on their own. Um, so that's kind of where I learned to put cameras on the ground and face them maybe uphill on a steep incline on a, on a bench or a yeah. trail. Yeah. I, I liked it too. I just had it. This is my first time this year doing it. I'm out there and I'm like, man, I got no spot to put it, but it's kind of on a hill and no one will ever look here and it's low and you can almost yeah. build like a ground blind around it, you know? So it's just like, just part of it yeah. sticking out, which yep. is. Yep. I do that. I do that a lot for scrapes that, um, I don't want the branches yeah. like in it because I don't want that, that, you know, it might be a big piece, a big Oak branch that has a big scrape, but you don't want to get that branch blowing all the time. So I just put yeah. it on the ground Yep, real low. That's so um, sweet. And that, you know, you just got to get creative. If you really want to get the Intel in the, in the exact spot you want, um, you just got to get a little creative and make it work. You know, I, I take a little machete, with me a little and swing it around or take a break a stick off and break all the brush down. Um, just make it as, you know, as dummy proof yeah. as you can where you're not going to get. Well, I like that issues. too. It's just like, just because you, you, when you think of trail cameras, you think of someone putting in about a little higher than waist height on a tree, you know, like, like there are tons of ways to do it. Don't like be so limited by what you've seen other people do or whatever. It's like, just be creative. And I feel like you, you'll get a, have a better time yep. out there. You'll get a lot better pictures too. Yeah. The big thing that I see a lot because social media is um, a lot of guys in the Midwest, they're sticking them yeah. on a post with a corn pile out in the middle of a field. Like I don't have that Same. chance or opportunity <laughs> right. to do that. So it's, it's and nor ninety percent of guys um, have the food plot where they stick a post in the ground and can let yeah. it alone. Most people, if they do have a, a permission farm, it's a farm ground where they can't mess with crops. They can't, you know, they try to leave the farmer yeah. stuff alone. 
So you're not going to be able to stick a post in the ground right in the middle of his crops, like in his bean field exactly. to get pictures. Like he's, he's going to get mad if you do that. Cause he's going to have to move yeah. to the track. No, I, I have the same thing. And then so. plus where, where I am, I mean, you not really can't, can't really bait, you know? Uh, and like, I don't yeah. know, you're just not going to see, you can see a lot of that stuff. You can get a lot of information on uh, maybe a pile of bait or whatever, depending where you are just by glassing into it or just knowing that you put bait down deer will show up. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you probably shouldn't hunt there, you know? I, yeah. I, I mean, there's states that you're allowed. Like I've noticed it, be, it creates really lazy yeah. hunters. Um, in my opinion, where you can bait and it's because people think that you can just go out there. Here's a spot the deer might cross, throw a big pile of corn out, spread it out and put a camera on it. And you're going to know everything right. that's around there. And that is not, that is not the case at all. Um, well, I've, we've, we've even had have, guys on that have you know, been like, man, I'll put a trail camera in the front of a tree and the back of a tree. Cause he's like, man, I, in which I don't cause I don't have enough cameras, but like, I get it because his point was deer will not always, they'll sometimes either know that there's a trail camera there and they do figure that out sometimes and they'll just go around it or yes. just like sometimes deer go behind it. And so you're, you're only getting like a snippet and no matter what with a trail camera, it's always good to keep that in mind just because you've got a trail camera here and it's not getting some is or isn't getting something. That's not always telling you like the 360 degree picture of what's going on in that spot. Yes. Yeah. And that's, uh, I actually had that exact scenario kind of play out this year. Um, just this past week, whenever I was checking this, so there's three trails that I, I didn't know what camera to put it on. Um, like what I basically made a mock scrape on the one, I just picked one that I thought yeah. was the best. But if I was off, if, if I picked the, there was three that converge into one through this, um, this edge of this clear cut and you could be missing a, a buck might go on just a singular yeah. trail and completely miss. And you, and you think you, you're like, Oh, he's not even here. You check it after a month and you're like, well, I guess he's not here at all yet. You missed him by 30 yards and he's there <laughs> yeah, every, every, exactly. day, every other day. Yeah. It's, it's part of it. It's a tool that I use and utilize to help keep eyes in the woods when I'm not there. And, um, and then also it's something that I use as confirmation on what I've found, um, for the year. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. It's like, it's not your, it shouldn't be your only tool. It doesn't replace knowing the woods. No. It doesn't replace any of it, but it can be part nope. of your system to figuring out how deer it do, yep. especially if you're doing running trail cameras year over year in certain areas, you get a really great picture yep. of what goes on in the woods throughout the year. Um, oh yeah. All right, Jake. So I've got three scenarios I want to walk you through and I'm just going to see what would Jake do. So, okay. yep. all right, you go out, you got permission to hunt a small 10 acre plot all right, so it's a skinny plot. It's got a swamp. It's just got a just real skinny spot between two two pieces of, of private land. You're all excited because you know bucks will move through there. It's you know one of those little small spots people overlook, and and you're excited for it. So you get out there, and definitely somebody on the neighboring property has got cameras on on that piece of ground, right? So these people will show up once a year. You not, you don't see them. You know you see them maybe during gun season or bow season a couple times but you go out mm -hmm. there and you're like dang it they're putting trail cameras out do you do you mess with do you turn off their camera do you turn it around do you do anything to it or do you leave it it's not your property but you have permission you know they don't what's your move 
Um, first, I would probably ask the landowner if anybody else has, like, maybe a neighbor or maybe, you know, I've, I've ran in situations where it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That was my nephew. He left it back there last yeah. year. He forgot about it. Let me yeah. tell him to go get it. Um, so that, that would be the first step. The second step is if basically I've, I've put notes on them before, just like, Hey, can you please remove this? Um, you don't have access to this piece of ground. Can you please remove it? Um, but I leave most trail cameras alone because I basically have gone into the scenario. My mindset is, okay, let's say a kid, go, there's an eight, nine, 10 year old kid for his birthday. His grandfather <laughs> yeah. bought him a trail yeah. camera. Okay. And that's their thing. They're going out into the woods to put a camera up to look what deer in the woods for deer season. That's kind of like grandpa and, and the kid yeah. running around together. That's like their little Sunday activity. You And what, what happens if you're the guy that takes <laughs> a it jerk, man. And, the, and, and, that's what I'm, that's what you just don't know. So I, that has, has gone through my head so much that I'm like, I don't want to ruin some, maybe some kid's day, you know, that it might sour taste of, in his mouth for the rest of his life about him. And then turn him into somebody that's going to go steal cameras because his got stolen yeah. in the first place. No, I, I, that, that's, so that's, that's a good approach. I, I asked cause I was confronted with this this year and like, I went back and forth and I came up behind it. So yeah, I wasn't on it. I'm like, this is not supposed to be here. Ended up leaving it. Um, definitely going to talk to the, to the neighbor when I catch him. But, um, but that was one I was like, man, I could just turn it off. You know, I could just set it to the base of yeah. the tree. I could, I wouldn't break it, but like, let them know that you definitely aren't supposed to be here. Um, all right. So that's one. All right. So two, yes. uh, you are, uh, heading out on public land uh and you are you're heading out you just it's not your spot not a spot you're headed to but you see a pretty cool spot for a trail camera maybe a good run or whatever some some reason to make you think this might be a decent spot and there's a trail camera there do you check that guy's trail camera again no no and the reason being is because you don't know basically what so <clears throat> let me put you this scenario for you. I have seen the Pennsylvania Game Commission and other DCNR put cameras out <laughs> um, for inventory of people or deer. They're, they're doing studies. You, Penn State did a study last year where they were looking for um, so, how many songbirds right. they could hear in the audio. Like they weren't even right. for deer. They were for so songbirds audio. Um, so it, I just, I leave them alone. Smart. I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I walk by them and see them, I'll, I'll give like a thumbs yeah, up. I always give the but, thumbs up, give the wave, um, you know, I'll get, you, yeah. we, I'll occasionally get pictures from people who follow us. that are like, Hey, saw you my trail camera. And like, they'll send a picture of me, like, you know, giving the wave, which is kind of unsettling, yeah. you know, but all right. So that's good. Out of, you, you, uh, yeah. all right. So here's one more. Um, you, you have a sweet spot, right? It's a new spot you haven't been to. And, uh, you get all, I mean, it's a hike to get in there. It's a thing, right? But it's sweet. Like you've seen bucks maybe moving in there or whatever. If reasonably, this is a good spot. You get there and there's a trail camera there already. 
do you put yours there as well? Or do you just say, this guy put the camera there first, he wins, I'm, I'm moving out? I have put cameras where other cameras yeah. are at. Um, How do you sleep at night? <laughs> pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty well. Um, and this, this, I had this talk actually with my best friend not too long ago. Uh, he, he's been putting a camera in the same spot for three or four years. Um, and that's like his historical spot that he always put a camera because it tells him he's learned it. Cause he has a, a set that he sits a couple hundred yards away that he knows what, how the deer yeah. move from being there so much. Um, and he got there this year and there was a camera in that exact spot. And he's like, you know, I'm just putting it on the next tree over and leaving the guy be because I've seen guys leave trail cameras for now that's the only time i do check them i've seen cameras that have been sitting in the same spot for two or yeah. three years yep that you're they like forget it it's forgot yeah i've opened it up and there's spiders all through it the batteries are corroded and it's been it's just been sitting there for forever so it's like well good thing i checked actually did check it after so long because it's just yeah. worthless yeah you know? um no i i so we just had one. I just just did this uh, for helping my brother put out trail cameras, and uh, he had a spot, his secret honey hole, he calls it, and which is so gross. Uh, I don't. And uh, he he gets out there. He's got you know this camera's sitting there. I'm like, man, the camera's there. What do you want to do? It's your call. I'm like, I would I'd put it here. I'd probably hide my camera better than this guy. You know, you throw it up. I like yeah. to find sometimes even like a clump of trees up high and then you can hide the strap mm -hmm. behind it and it's just hard to see. So we threw it up and oh, yeah. uh, I didn't feel bad one bit bad about that. It's like trail yeah. cameras, like it's the wild west out there. It's like, if you got one, I'm not going to steal it, but I'm, that doesn't mean you, no one can put a trail camera out and you know, and yeah. then, and then exactly. if that is the case, well, it's like how far away do I need to put it to make it okay? And it's like, man, then, no, there's no, I, I would agree with every single one of your answers here. Um, yeah. So it, uh, it's one of those things like it's a, the gray area of sportsmen. Um, I just because it, I've put cameras in places. I know I'm only going to get nighttime pictures, yeah. but that, that, that data, I'm the reason I'm, I'm looking for maybe a specific, you know, big 10 point that is he coming down here yeah. at night? Like I'm putting a piece to a puzzle together and I'm like, I need a camera here to tell me if he's coming to this food source or this big, big community scrape or whatever. And I'm, and I just need that data to kind of justify not hunting an area as much as I need to be yeah, somewhere. Exactly. So, so if I need it there, I need it there to kind of put my, my puzzle piece yeah. together. No, I agree with that. You, uh, you, you mentioned earlier mock scrapes. You do a lot of mock scraping. Yeah. I do. I do do a lot of mock. Do you scrapes. pee in it too, um, or do you just throw the, the stuff out or both or what's your. Um, so I've used, I've tried everything. Um, I basically, I don't make any scrapes myself unless it's in a spot that there looks like there already could be yeah. one. And then I, I use vines a lot, like grapevines yeah. and zip yep. ties. That's about the only type of mock scrape I make. Otherwise I am basically just opening up pre-existing perennial scrapes um or a hub system yeah that is kind of my my take on it i'll just reopen it up early like i did this i've done five this past week like last week 
threw a camera on it. I knew I wasn't going to be back until mid-October. Um, so it, let's see what comes through in September, you know, and vice versa. So it's, uh, it's one of the, it's one of those things that it, it's all variable. I mock scrapes kind of a vague yeah, term. Yeah, it can be so much. I just re, I just open up big perennial scrapes and then I might make a scrape myself with a vine. That's, that's basically all I'll I've do. been, uh, I did, I made three or four from, from basically a spot where I think a, a scrape should be or could be. Mm-hmm. And I just made up my own this year. I've not, I don't usually do that. And usually I'll find one or I'll find a rub or, or just a place yeah. where I think I know they move through or whatever. But this year I'm like, no, I'm, I'm taking it. You know, I scrape it up, make a, make a mock scrape. I've cracked the limb down. So there's, you know, little, uh, something from the yep. rape, rub their face on. I pee in it and I put the, the juice oh, yeah. in it. Cause I figure my pee will eventually become ammonia smelling, which is kind of whatever. And then the fake stuff I put down will always smell like a fresh one. So when a deer comes, in my opinion, then it's like, oh, there's been at least two two bucks here, you know. Yeah. Um, it seems like it's worked um, so far. I mean, I, I, every time yeah. I do it, bucks show up with like. Usually, it's like I'll do it, and within a few hours, a young buck shows up for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's kind of it. How community scrapes kind of start is that. Um, a high traffic area that one buck might have made something, and then it's just snowball effect. If you see a doe um, making a scrape, yeah. like does actually make scrapes. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Um, that is going to be your best inventory scrape of the year. Yeah. Um, so long. A little backtrack on on data here, like. So a doe group, there's always like the queen doe, like the big, most mature doe. She is going to be bred probably first by the most mature buck. It's kind of like the king and queen mentality. So October, like the, you know how you've, you've probably seen the, the chart of breeding season. Like you've seen like, uh, where October, like 13th, you're like, what doe is being bred on October 13th? Well, it's that doe that, you know, is the first one to come in the cycle, but only the, the biggest, you know, most mature buck is going to breed her, but she's going to make a scrape and pee in it to tell that he, that she's ready. Cause she's the very first one. And if you can find that you're, you are going to have a very, very hot scrape that is going to turn into a community scrape because it's the first thing that's the gestation cycle of the year. Yeah, I love that. That's a great tip. Hot tip. Yeah, and actually, the last I, I've read an old. This is an old article that was like a hand note. This guy um, basically said that twenty eight days. So the 29th day after that, she does that. What if that buck? Like, let's say you're after like a hundred and fifty inch temp. Yeah, and he finds that scrape. That like you find it put a camera on it and he shows up that night on that scrape. Well, if he, if he doesn't find her within that period of time that she's ready, he will circle back 29 days to the exact day, 29 days later to check that scrape again, to see if he, she came back into cycle. Really? Yes. So it's, it's pretty interesting. So it's like this, I learned it from a guy in the seventies and eighties that basically took, um, it was, he had a big deer farm property 
and just observed deer every single day and would and it was a, a research article and he just researched and watched and observed and to the day because they have a 28 day gestation gestation period that they'll recycle back through yeah on the 29th day basically when she would be ready again that deer comes back to the exact same spot that's crazy that's a hot tip for yeah everybody listening um, write that down that's that's the uh, that age-old wisdom you know if you can find that the hardest part is finding that but if you can i mean that's that is like the bread and butter the the best possible thing you could probably find on a scrape fantastic well jake we're coming up on time here i gotta let you get back home you got more hunting to do and you got to get ready for it um yeah the, the west is calling soon. Right. Where, where are you headed? going on a um, starting in, uh, I have a, I got to do some film projects up in, uh, South North Dakota and then Montana, but then I'm hunting in Colorado and, um, Wyoming the first, you know, through September. So I'm looking for another bull, man. Last time I saw you, you had a bull in the truck. So I'm, I'm hoping for something similar. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm, I'm definitely going to try. It's, it's itching. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, for people who are listening, uh, you guys check Jake out. First of all, you got to see whatever he shot this uh, this velveted deer. Uh, so he'll be posting yep. about that soon. But if you want to follow along, uh, Jake, where can where can people check you out? Yeah, so just uh, Jake Belinda and the Void Hunt um, on Instagram and the Void Hunt on YouTube. Yeah, um, bunch a bunch of episodes coming out. Uh, one here at the end of the week, and then hopefully every week or two another one coming giddy up appreciate it man thanks for coming on hey everybody thanks for listening to this episode we really do appreciate it if you want to go on to any kind of social media platform give us a like share subscribe you know it really help us out keeps the train rolling and if you guys really like what you're listening here give us a five either star way if, even if you don't like it even if you don't like review. it five stars That'd helps cool. everyone out we'll see you out there